Good morning, and I'm glad that you could join us for our Good Friday service. And at the end of our time together, we'll be sharing in communion. So if you haven't already prepared something to drink or some, and some bread or a cracker to, to eat, feel free to press pause right now and do so. The media has been overflowing with stories and theories and reports of the COVID-19 crisis. There are many different opinions out there on how we should be handling this situation and the bombardment of all, all the opinions on social media. It's hard to sort out fact from fiction. But I think what affects us most in this time is the uncertainty of it all. One of the topics in the media was, was about churches that are still continuing together to gather in their buildings for worship. And, and some of the comments that some of these church folks were, were making were things like, I'm not worried because I'm, I'm covered by the blood. I'm protected by the blood. I'm saved by the blood. As I was listening to these responses, I, I thought, wow, this can be a little confusing, especially maybe for someone who isn't familiar with the Bible uh, and uh, has maybe not grown up in church circles, uh, especially charismatic ones. And so I thought today I'd take a brief, uh, take you on a brief journey to explore this idea of where being saved by the blood actually comes from. And so let's start in the New Testament in the book of Luke in chapter 22, verses 7 and 8. And it says, now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is, to, is sacrificed. Verse 8, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. And then down in verse 13, it says, they went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said. And they prepared the Passover meal there. This past Wednesday actually marked Passover, and Jews all over the world and Christians who have chosen to abide by these Jewish customs uh, celebrated the Passover feast. And I won't get into all the intricate details of what the, the Passover feast is, but I do want to steer to you uh, towards the origin of where the Passover first began. And to do that, we need to go to the Old Testament section of the Bible, specifically to the book of Exodus. And, and what we find in Exodus is that the Israelites, the Jews, the Hebrew people, God's chosen people, were captive in Egypt uh, for over 400 years. That's pretty hard to imagine. I mean, some of us have been captive to our homes in self-isolation for 14 days or, or maybe going on uh, three weeks, and, and we're finding that difficult. Imagine being in slavery for over 400 years. And on the eve of them being released, uh, God struck down the firstborn son of every Egyptian family. Now, it sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? Wow, that doesn't sound like an all-loving God or a God that cares for us. But listen, uh, Egypt's ruler, Pharaoh, was given opportunity after opportunity to release God's people from captivity. He was given nine different chances to have a change of heart before God sent the, uh, the tenth and final plague upon Egypt. 
Those, those plagues quickly were, number one, the, the Nile River turning to blood. I mean, that's for, for those of us in Lactabani. Can you imagine if our river uh, turned into blood? That would be pretty gross. Um, you know, and then there was a the plague of frogs. And then there was a the plague of gnats. Now, you might be wondering what a gnat is. Well, some scholars believe that gnats were fleas or mosquitoes. And, you know, in Manitoba, we really love our mosquitoes, don't we? No. Uh, some versions of the Bible actually say that it was lice and, and instead of gnats. And, and whatever the case be, th that plague was nasty, right? It was nasty. And then there was a the plague of flies, and then the, the plague of killing of livestock, and then there was a the plague of festering boils, both on people and animals, and then there was the plague of hail uh, and the, all the destruction that it created, and then there was the plague of locusts, and then the plague of darkness. And Pharaoh had nine chances to release captive Israel, and each time he refused. And in fact, instead of his heart being softened, his heart actually got more hardened, and he became more stubborn with each new plague. That is until the tenth and final plague, uh, the death of his firstborn son, uh, every firstborn son in Egypt, including Pharaoh's firstborn son. And this all happened around 1528 BC. And the reason why I give you that timestamp is, is people, these aren't just fictional tales in the Bible. These are real events that happened and they are timestamped. And it was this happened around 1528 BC. Now, in order for the Israelites to be spared from this horrific plague, God gave strict instructions for them to follow. And those instructions can be found in Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, uh, beginning at verse 1. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for sacrifice one animal for each household. Now let's skip down to verse 5. It says, the animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat with no defects. Uh, take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of the first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. And then verse 7, it says, they are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. And then in verse 12, it says, uh, uh, it says, on the night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son, male uh, and, and, and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. Now, here's what I really want you to pay attention to in verse 13. It says, but the blood on the doorpost will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land 
of Egypt. See, every home that had the blood of the perfect of a perfect lamb on the door frames uh, was spread uh, was spared. They were spared. God's death angel would then pass over those homes that were marked with the blood of the lamb, and they were saved by the blood. They were saved by the blood. In Exodus twelve forty two, it says. Uh, on this night, the Lord kept his promise to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. So this night belongs to him, and it must not or it must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. This is where the Passover festival first originated. Remembering that fateful night where God's uh, wrath had actually passed over them. And, and God made this command and, 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 and in Exodus 12, 47, and this is what he said. He said, the whole community of Israel must celebrate this Passover festival. Because of the blood of the lamb, the Israelites were spared. Their lives were spared. They were saved. The Passover festival is an act of remembrance, commemorating God's amazing grace, the deliverance of captive Israel. But that's not the end of the story. The Passover up until the first century was to celebrate God's rescue from Egypt. God had a bigger plan in mind. And, and, and so we need to flip back over to the New Testament to really understand that plan. And, and so let's look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John, now this is referring to John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Interesting how John says, Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. In Exodus, it was the Lamb's blood on the door frames of the houses that would save the people. Now John is stating that Jesus is the Lamb who will save all humanity. Peter, who had spent three years of his life following Jesus everywhere he went, he saw miracles and signs and wonders and, and was there for all of the teachings of Jesus. But he was also there uh, when Jesus died and, and, and his death on the cross. And he also witnessed his resurrection. He witnessed Jesus alive again after he was put to death. And he wrote these words in 1 Peter as an encouragement, not only for the people back then, for, but for us today. And this is what he said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 19. He says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. He's referring to ancestors here to Adam and Eve, back in the Garden of Eden, right? Because when they sinned, they, they committed the first sin ever on earth. They disobeyed God's direct command of not eating from a, from a particular tree. And since then, through them, like a, like a generational curse, it has been passed down. Sin has been passed down into all humanity. And so, uh, and so what's happened here is, he, and he says, uh, and the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. See, gold and silver can't pay our debt of sin. No good deed could ever pay our debt of sin. He says here in verse 19, it is the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Again, he refers to Jesus being the Lamb of God. 
The lamb in Exodus had to be a perfect without any defect. Jesus was perfect, meaning he was without the defect of sin. The Apostle Paul wrote in approximately 55 AD in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, he says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. And check this out in Mark chapter 14, verse 12. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? After, it was after that meal that Jesus was then arrested. He was then crucified on the cross. Just as the Passover lamb's blood was applied to the door frames uh, to spare the lives of those in the homes back in Egypt, Jesus' blood, the lamb of God, was applied to the cross to spare the lives of all of those who would put their faith in him. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Our Lord. Just as the Passover marked Israel's release from Egyptian slavery, the, the death of Christ marks our release from the slavery of sin. In Romans chapter 8, verses, verse 2, it says, And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. That's good news, y'all. That's good news. The Passover lamb in the Old Testament was only a mere foreshadowing of the sinless, spotless lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Which makes those words come alive again from John the Baptist. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So let me ask you this morning, are you saved by the blood? Has Jesus set you free? I don't know what your hangups are. I, I'm fully aware of what mine are. And there came a point in my life where I acknowledged that I needed a savior. I needed someone to pay for all of those sins in my life. I needed somebody to do for me what I couldn't do for myself. You see, I sin too. Just because I'm a Christian, just because I'm a pastor, doesn't mean I'm immune to sin. You know, just like none of us are immune to death. We're all going to die one day, whether it's uh, by way of COVID-19 or, or cancer or heart failure or a stroke or sudden accident or some disease or illness coming upon our bodies. One day we'll meet our maker. We'll meet our maker. And on that day, it'll matter if our lives are marked by the blood of the Lamb. A verse that uh, Jesse preached on uh, this last week on Sunday from John 3.16, but I want to take uh, read a couple more verses in there. So I'm going to read from John 3.16 to 18. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world so uh, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. The only way to be saved by the blood of the Lamb is acknowledging our need for a Savior. 
acknowledging our need for a Savior and making Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives. Acknowledging that Christ's death on the cross was payment for the sin and the junk in our lives. Acknowledging what he did for us, that, that it was something that we could never do for ourselves. If today you would like to give Jesus full control of your life, I'd like to help you in that step. It starts with a conversation, and a conversation that will lead to more conversations. Uh, and we call this conversation prayer. And I would love to pray with you your first prayer to mark the, the beginning of your faith journey with Jesus. So wherever you are, whoever you're with, I, I want you to repeat these words after me. And, and this isn't like, this isn't a model that you have to pray. This is for those that maybe have just never prayed before and could use some help. And so follow along with me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Lamb of God who died for all my sin. I ask that you would come into my life and take full control. Lead me and guide me from this day forward. Jesus, in your name, I pray. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer with me today, I'd like to welcome you into the family of God. At one point or another, all of us that are a part of the family of God have prayed a prayer something like that. And all of us want to celebrate with you. And, and the decision that you made today is a life-changing one. And we want to help you uh, in your new journey of faith with Jesus. So I ask you, uh, number one, first of all, tell somebody. Tell somebody right away that you made this decision to follow Jesus. Call somebody on the phone, FaceTime them, or Zoom call them, or WhatsApp them. Tell somebody right away. And then I would love it if you would contact us. We, all of our contact information is all found on our website at AbundantLifeChapel.ca. Or you can contact us through Facebook or, or Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And we would love to put some resources in your hands so that you can help follow along and begin this new journey with Jesus. As we move into our time of communion, we've prepared a special musical number uh, that you can feel free to sing along to if you know the words, but uh, this will just prepare our hearts into the time of sharing uh, in the Lord's table this morning. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my Cleansing 
Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 says this, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. This represents the body of Christ. The body that was broken for you and I, so that we may have life. Let us partake together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then in verse 27, it says that Jesus took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, that Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The contents of the cup today that we're holding in our hands represents Christ's blood, the eternal Passover lamb, the lamb of God, and that was shed on the cross for all of us. It is his blood that has set us free, free from sin and free from the fear of death. It also represents a new covenant with God, meaning that it's a new bloodline. You see, our old bloodline was plagued with a pandemic called sin, and, and, and it resulted, and it would result in death. But this cup signifies a new bloodline that is free from, from death, from, from the hold of sin and death that is on our lives, it's a bloodline of royalty that is directly connected to God through his one and only son, Jesus. Let us partake of the cup together. Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus, we love you. We, we, we will follow you for the rest of our days. And so as we remember the sacrifice that you made for us, I pray, Lord, that each and every day we would bring glory to your Father. Thank you for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our Good Friday service. Join us on Sunday at 1045 for our Easter celebration service. We'll see you then.